Today's episode of No Fence City is brought to you by David Daneman and the Daneman Comics. Be sure to click the links below for more information and also hit subscribe for your chance to win a comic book prize pack. Welcome to the No Fun City Podcast, episode five. Dang, I got to five episodes pretty quick, David. I don't know if you know this. And one story I wanted to tell from day one, and I've said this to everybody, but it's the truth. From day one, David, I had your name on the list. So I had your name on the list, not particularly just because you do have a webcomic podcast, but also because what you do is quite interesting. Now, do you still do the webcomic podcast or no? Yes, I just published a new episode this weekend. Nice, that's awesome. I haven't watched it, obviously. Well, so. it's it's audio. I, I make short videos for... But you post it on YouTube, right? I have in the past. Um, I'm not doing that. I know what you're talking about, but no, I don't update that anymore. That was okay. an experiment, like, two years ago, maybe? Yeah. I like how you're dressed as... The, the Daneman character. What happened was I got your comic book for free, right? And I was like, oh, cool, whatever. Like some, you know, some dude made a comic book. And I met you through your wife, Liliana, who I went to elementary school with. So there, there's that connection, right? Um, and that's how we actually met. Then I actually opened the sucker up and gave it a read, which people should know that there are no words. Well, there might be icons you know, but there are no real words in your, like, comic book or webcomic, because you do put this stuff online, so now I'm a little confused as to whether it's the webcomic or the comic book that I'm now talking about, but in general, right, um, and that's what gauged my interest to your actual comic book, was the simple fact that you didn't have words, and you only had action. It's like this podcast, I'm not saying anything at all. Yeah. The second the second interesting thing about your comic book is the way that you actually make them. So you take photos and then you take those photos and turn them into illustrations, which I also want to pick your brain about. Another interesting thing that I want to mention about your comic is the simple fact that it stars you, kind of. Like the character is you or characters because you call them the Dane men, right? Um originally I thought it was the Dane man. Uh, comic book and it was all one character but now I understand a bit more I like the way you had it segmented with the past present and future sort of like blurbs in there and I read through that and I thought it was really interesting about the way you sort of came up with um how you were going to go about to do this but what I really want to discuss first is why you even decided to do this so how did you get into web comics what's the deal David Tell me your story. And what year? Go back to the year. I want to know when this all first started. Break it down. Okay, 2001. Yes, yes. 2001, the movie Waking Life came out. It's Richard Linkletter. It is a rotoscoped animated feature uh, about uh, philosophy, okay? I remember that movie. I like it. One of my favorites. Continue. At that point in time, I was a film student at the University of Kansas, uh, Lawrence, Kansas, and uh, I was a good film student, and I liked to do all my pre-production, 
So when it came to making a short film, I would always write a script and I would uh, storyboard it. Most uh -huh. of the other students, they just wanted to get a camera. They wanted to run out the door and start shooting. I like to write. I like to draw the pictures. Around 2004, there was this new invention called the digital camera. You may have heard of it. Yes, I do recall. I got my first one of those and it, it just flipped my wig because you could take as many photographs as you wanted. You could see them right away. Uh, and that's mostly it. And if it wasn't for the digital camera, the Daneman never could have been born. Mm -hmm. But... Um, so while I'm in film school, I start to think like, you know, you could make your storyboards with this digital camera. And I experimented and I was like, nah, photographs are too ugly. Nobody, nobody, you don't want to look at photographs, you want to look at cartoons, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're talking comics, then yeah, definitely. So yeah. then two other movies came out that influenced me. One was, uh, this is like the years 2004, 2005. Okay. Uh, the first one would be Sin City, and the other one would be 300. Yeah. And when they came out, what was notable about these two films was that they were heavily, heavily green screened. So, like, the people were real, but none of the backgrounds were. And just seeing those films, I, like, I got how they were made immediately. And I was like, I, I, and I combined basically Waking Life with those two films, 300, uh, Sin City, to make the comic style that I have. So Waking, uh, Sin City and uh, 300 are both comic books that were made into movies. I saw them and I was like, I could make comic books the way that those movies are made. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, your con the style of your comic book is doesn't necessarily reflect the style in Waking Life. Or, and I'm talking like the actual drawing aspect. Of yeah, it. because you know what I mean? Waking yeah. Life, they, to make a movie that's rotoscoped, it's a lot of work. That movie was made by probably 200 artists who were rotoscoping all the time. And in order yeah. to make it feature length, they cut a lot of corners. Uh -huh. So when I experimented with rotoscoping, for one thing, I'm not doing animation. I'm doing still images. So I can get a much crisper image. Still very time-consuming, um, which is why I haven't made as many comics as other cartoonists. Um, but anyway, so 2005, I think I finished film school uh, that December. Probably, I think February 2006, I made my first, like, rotoscoped comic image. Uh -huh. And uh, then I went back to school. I just, I just got my bachelor's in film. I went back to school to study, like, MIDI digital music at, at a communi community college. And I got a job at the student newspaper there uh, as the cartoonist. And at that point in time, I was just doing hand-drawn cartoons. Um, and it was a great experience. Uh, they paid me a little bit. And so then I added a couple of rotoscope cartoons in that newspaper. Very quickly, the, the newspaper in the city I lived in, they picked up a couple. They gave me some money. All of that is very encouraging. When people pay you, that's the best way to say to someone to keep doing it. Yes, <laughs> yes, 100%. That is definitely one way to get someone motivated. So since these two newspapers, the, uh, the Johnson County Community College uh, student newspaper paid me, and then the Kansas City Star paid me, I kind of got the bug. Um, then I moved to Asia, and comics were a hobby for five long years. And I didn't make them very regularly. You know, at this point in time... 
uh, we had websites called Blogger and DeviantArt, and that's where I published. And uh, DeviantArt gave me like deviation of the day four different times, so that was nice. really encouraging. Um, but again, it was a hobby until in 2002, I got an email from a company at the time was called Comic Panda, and they asked me if I wanted to make some content for them. I said. Well, I, I didn't ask me to make content. They asked me if I wanted to give them some of the content I already had. Uh, so I did. And uh, they liked it. And then later when they asked me to make more, I said no for no money. And they paid me. Nice. <laughs> and that's kind of what began my comics career was that first check from Comic Panda. And then I didn't get another check for like three more years. And that's... Okay. And it's arguable about whether or not I even am a professional cartoonist to this day, because I don't make the Daneman anymore. As of last Thursday, my contract with Tapas lapsed, so I don't work for them anymore. Um, but we'll talk about this book, because this is kind of what I am now, is that I am a book designer. Okay, so you've left the Daneman completely, or just... I haven't made one of those in a whole year, man. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine, but I mean, between book one and two, there was a gap too, right? No. You did book two right after book one? Oh, okay, there was a two-year gap. I made the book one in 2016, and I made this book here last February. Yeah, so there was a bit of a gap between the two, so I wouldn't expect you to... There wasn't uh, much demand for the first book. <laughs> you know, but... The, you know, and I say this to everybody, <clears throat> I mean, you're pretty driven to begin with, and you, you've made money, so you kind of see the light, but there's never going to be money at the start. Like, I know. there's no demand for this podcast, for example, you know, or, or, or what it, whatever it may be, right? But if you push something enough, if it's enjoyable enough, and people see value in it, I didn't know this even existed until the first day or second time I had met you. And then that's where I was like, or the Dane man, that's where I was like, whoa, this is awesome. I, I remember talking to you about it and being like, whoa, this is actually really interesting and different. That's what I really appreciated about it. The other thing was the fact that you were the character. But I have a quick question because I know I'm going to forget this and I know it's kind of off topic. What's this about? <laughs> that is um, Frida Kahlo. That is okay, a punchline to a comic called Highbrows. Okay, so you would have to be a really, like, comic nerd to get the get that? Uh, or I what? think you have to be a really comic nerd to get any of the shit that I write. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of the stuff you... I actually... I don't crack out laughing out loud, but some of your stuff is so smart, yet so simple... But it makes me laugh. Like, I actually sit back and chuckle. And what I love is at the end of every comic book, or every comic, you have a quote that's sort of relevant to the comic with, like, a title for it. I think that that whole setup is genius, in my opinion. Um, and side note, going back to the talk about waking life, I just have something really interesting to say. Um, if you watch, I think it's one of the beginning, because as you mentioned, like, 200 um, illustrators or whatever were working on this sucker. If you notice, in one of the scenes, I think it's where the guy is riding on the train, right? Do you remember that scene? Yeah. 
Do you remember that scene? This where when the guy gets on the train and he's he's riding on the train. It's the guy from Dazed and Confused, long haired dude. You know what I'm talking about? Wiley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's on the train. If you notice in that scene, suddenly the illustration goes from being quite uh, sharp and perfect to really etchy and crappy. And you, and you think it's just part of the style, but what happened was... They changed the illustrator. illustrators. No. The illustrator who was uh, set to do that uh, broke his arm. And he, it, was his, it was his drawing arm. So he had to use his other arm. And the, so the second half of that scene is all done with his left arm instead of his right arm. That makes Isn't sense. It's so just like little tidbit there. The animators um, were all uh, just like University of Texas students. So yeah, they, they were all like, like a, a bunch well, of. Well, it was an independent movie, right? Wasn't it indep- independent? Sure. Was it not? Richard yeah. Linkletter. I don't know him. Okay, he's a pretty prominent filmmaker. Um, I figured because he made the way dazed he and confused. <laughs> he said what? He made dazed and confused. Oh yes, yes, yes! I love that movie. But he also so, made Boyhood. I should. Don't know that one. Okay, he's an independent filmmaker. He's from Texas. And when I first wanted to go to university uh, for film school, I wanted to go to the University of Texas in Austin because that's where um, Wes Anderson also went. Oh, nice. And and Robert Rodriguez lives there and shoots stuff. So, like I told you, I think the Sin City Studios were uh, in Austin. So a lot of, I guess, a lot of your inspiration comes from that area strangely yes <laughs> but it's funny because they do film and you're in print kind of so it's really interesting how that worked originally i was going to be a filmmaker i still may become one i don't know if you saw the movie i made for my last kickstarter but it was very artful i don't think i did i didn't even know you had a kickstarter is it still on i will send you a link Send me a link because I post all that stuff in the description. All your social media, everything, everything's going to be in the description. So for anybody interested in anything we're talking about, it's in the description for sure. Um, okay, so you went, you started doing these comic books based on all this uh, inspiration that you got. What happens next? You said you were supposed to go to film school or become a filmmaker and suddenly your life diverts into... Um, I finished school and so the year is 2005. I spent two years working at a blockbuster talking about film again. And then in 2007, um, I decided to move to Asia and then like it was supposed to be for one year, but then eight months into the first year, the global economy crashed in October of 20, uh, 2010. Sorry, okay. 2008. <laughs> so that kept me in Asia for a, a, a while longer. Uh, I ended up staying in Korea for a total of five years. I moved to Spain and lived there. Met Leela, um, married her. Okay, so, wait, slow down. <laughs> well, that's the seven did, years. I, I know, I know. But why did you go to Asia to begin with? And then how did you meet Lee? You met her in Spain or did you meet her in Korea? I met her in uh, in Korea, in Seoul. Yeah, so how did, why did you go there? Like, were you working or what? Were you just traveling? Oh, uh, I, I went and did the ESL teaching thing. 
Okay, so you and Leela were doing kind of the same thing. Yeah, we were doing exactly the same thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were teaching school. I mean, I knew you were in Asia, but I thought it was for a completely different thing. Nope. But, so that makes sense. Okay, so you meet Leela in Korea. You go travel to Spain just for travel or for work as well. We moved to Spain in order to get a credential, and then we wanted to live there. We found out how difficult it was for North Americans to stay in the EU, in the Schengen, um, because basically any person with an EU passport who could teach English before us should. Uh, so all of Ireland and all of England was in Spain at the time teaching English, so we, we ended up not being able to get visas, so we just kind of taught illegally for a year in oh, Spain. Nice. Yeah. And then after a year, that basically robbed us of all of our money because it was so expensive. Also, it was the Euro crisis, so we moved to Spain when they were having their worst uh, economic unrest. Dang. Then uh, I proposed, and we moved back to Korea to save money for our wedding, which took 22 months. <clears throat> Nice. Well, that's not too long to save up for a wedding. To it was supposed honest. to be 12. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> that's nothing. It's all good. So you go back, you get married, and then when do you come back to Canada? Because you guys came back. Well, I'm not, I, I'm not from Canada, so I moved to Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. You guys came back to North America. Yes. Oh, so you're American, Yes, right? I am. That's, that's, yeah. Right. What part? I'm from Kansas. I went to the okay, University yeah. of Kansas. So the same. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so you guys come back. Do you guys come to Vancouver right away or what? Yeah, we moved from Korea to Vancouver. Leela's from there. Uh, and because of a mix-up in the paperwork, I wasn't able to work for the first six months of my time in Canada, which was okay because I was also having rehab from surgery. So, uh, and I had a bit of money. So I kind of floated for six months, uh, at which time I did some comic stuff, and uh, that kind of ended up getting me noticed by this company, Webtoon, who yeah. uh, hired me in, in March of 2015. Nice. And then have you been working with them since, or was that just for a little period, or what? I worked for them for two and a half years. They let me go uh, over a year ago. Okay, so, like, cool. last summer, what would that be? Summer 2017, they let me go. My last comic was on October 30th of 2017. So we just passed the one-year anniversary of me finishing the Daneman. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there going to be another Daneman, or what? I don't know. Uh, it's been a year, so I feel like I've, I've grieved enough. I did get dressed up today for the people on Instagram and for you and uh, this camera also. Um, I do. I did a strip called The Brothers Dane for a year, and it is also ending now. <laughs> okay. Due to lack so of a interest. Of, a lot of things are ending. Is there a lot of new things beginning? Or is this sort of a time of letting your creativity brew to come up with the next idea? Or, like, do you completely want to get out of this and move into film like you wanted to originally? Or are you going to pursue both? I'll, I'll tell you. Here? Uh, oh, you better tell me. So, like, every day I, I put uh, a little time in writing a screenplay. I've got a couple of screenplays. Um, 
I write a scene a day. This is kind of just like a long-term goal. Um, but last May, I decided to make these anthologies. Basically, I took my comics podcast and I turned it into a book. And I did a Kickstarter for it uh, last uh, July. And the Kickstarter was a big uh -huh. success. Uh, and the book came out. And the book is beautiful. And people really like it. And so I am kind of pursuing this for the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm setting up a publishing company. And uh, I got another book in the works. We're going to do a Kickstarter next March. Nice. So what's the, book, the new book that you guys, or that you just did? Are you talking about this book here? I believe I am. That's the new one, right? Yeah, yeah, this is the that new book. That is the new one, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a bit about that one, because that's not the Danemen anymore, obviously. The Danemen are in it. Uh, there are 75 different strips, three of which are Danemen strips. Uh, but there are 24 different artists, and they all contributed three comics each. And uh, I funded it, the printing and the, everything, via Kickstarter. And when it finishes, I designed the book. So basically, I do everything. I, uh, yeah. I recruit all the artists. Um, then I run the Kickstarter, which involves uh, working with the cover artist and then designing all of the advertising elements and then kind of keeping the, the enthusiasm going um, with the artists. And then when, the, when and if the Kickstarter is a success, I design the book. I have it printed, and then when it arrives, I do all the fulfillment. So I ship it. So I just ship. You asked me if I can ship things. I just ship like 650 books out like a month ago. Dang. So these other artists, they come on board. You're essentially the producer of the book, is what, you know? I'm the director. I'm the producer. Producer. <laughs> kind of a writer, editor. I'm a curator. Yeah, totally. That's awesome, though. I have a huge, um, I guess the wrong word is passion, but it's the closest thing I can think of right now for people who do exactly that, which is like organize creativity. You know what I mean? Like any other person could have made that book or any other person could have made a book, whether it had been just on their own or whatever, but you actually did, you know, like you went out of your way to do it. Not just that, you were like, I don't want to support just what I do. I want to support what all these com comics are doing, right? Yeah. And I'm going to get all of these people on my back. You said how many? Th there were 70? There's 25 artists. I'm one of them. And then each of them have three comic strips, right? Yeah, so about, what, 60, 70 or so? That's pretty legit. And then do they get paid, or, or what's the case with them? They're just happy to be in the book, or what? No, I pay them. One of the, nice. <clears throat> when I set up this company, I, one of the principles was pay artists. Yeah. Like, duh. Um, so the deal that I gave everybody is 10 cents per comic per uh, copy of the book sold. Which breaks down to be about thirty cents uh, per six hundred books. So everybody walked home. Oh, the other thing is, <clears throat> sorry, it's a lot of numbers. Um, everybody got about two hundred bucks. They got paid sixty dollars per comic, so they got one hundred eighty dollars for their comics because we sold six hundred copies of the book. Yeah. After five hundred copies, I do profit sharing. 
So we start the the cop the cost of the book starts to drop after 500 copies in such a way that we profit. And then I just take yeah. that profit and I split it. So every artist got 3% and I took 25% for myself as team captain and then I also got 3% because I'm one of the artists in the book. So I got 28% of profit, which was $400, which means I got 30 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> That, you know what though? <clears throat> I don't have a problem with that. I, I love I love people who do things for the passion and not for the profit. Because in my opinion, if you push something hard enough and it's quality enough, the profit will come. Yeah. You know? All of these or, things were profitable. Um I, I, I drew a salary from Webtoon for two and a half years. So I don't know how much the average cartoonist makes, but I I did make a good amount of money when I worked for Webtoon. Um, yeah. I was making a good amount of money when I worked for Tapas as well. Um, Which shows that you have, like, that creativity is there. Like, like you have substance because people are obviously drawn to what you do enough where you're getting paid for it now. Right? Yeah, unfortunately, there's only two companies in my, like, in the, the sphere that I work in. There's only, like, two companies that pay people. And I've worked for both of them and I work for neither of them at the moment. So that's why I went into business for myself is I don't think that like that is I'm necessarily going to get paid by anybody ever again. Do you think that's an avenue that most people in your position should take like web comic? Cartoonists are very entrepreneurial. Um, most of the people I know have to have like three or four different revenue streams in order to try to do what they want to in life. That's true. That's 100% true. I could vouch for that because that's exactly how I make a living is not through one stream of income. It's like through... It's dangerous to rely on one stream of income as well. Definitely. I, don't, I mean, I don't mind if you have a full-time job, but I still think if you have a full-time job, like you're working for somebody or corporation, you should still be looking at other means of income as well. Um, I, I think that's a smart move to make. Do you happen to know... I have another friend who does web comics... I'm curious to know if you know of him. Um, the webcomic is called Goat to Self. Uh, I'm familiar with these comics. Okay, yeah. So my buddy Cam Spires, he graduate, He actually graduated from the same graphic design program as me, but a year later, I believe. Super funny guy. Uh, love his stuff. There's only two webcomics that I actually follow. Yours and his. Right? His are a bit more simple in the way that they're done, but same thing as yours. They're just so simple, and the punchline at the end is just... It's sort of like... Um, a, I want to say it's kind of like a double entendre most of the time, and it's just so perfectly smart or clever, right? And that's what I love about your webcomics as well. Within four to six frames, both of you are able to sort of like get an emotion out of me. You know what I mean? I'll tell you That's something. Not common. Once Go upon a time, uh, a guy... So I was in this contest. There was a company called Zuda Comics, 2008. It was DC Comics was trying to get into the world of web comics. And okay. I was in this contest. Um, and I remember somebody read my comics there and they said, these are clever, which means they're not funny. And I said, That's pretty clever. <laughs> You know, when I say they're clever, I think they're funny clever. Yeah. Like, I mean that in a, in a good way. I know, I know. Just that, that comment, this is a comment from, what did I say, to, from a decade ago. And it has still stuck with me. 
you know, there's, <clears throat> there's always going to be haters, Dave. Like, you know, I post some of my review videos, even on Reddit is like the worst. I know I'm going to get like someone just, you know, there's always a troll out there. There's someone's not going to appreciate your stuff. And my whole thing is you can't hold on to those. Th like if somebody comes to you, doesn't appreciate your shit, but gives you good advice, like here's why, and then they break it down and you're like, oh crap, I didn't think about that. This guy's a bit of an asshole, but makes complete sense. I totally have no problem with that. But 99% of the time, these haters, if you want to call them that, or, or that don't get your shit, they say some bullshit about your crap, like this is clever, but it's not funny or whatever. But they don't tell you why. Like they don't really tell you, and here's why. What they should say comments? instead is, I don't like this, which is irrefutable. But when people say this isn't funny, it, it's... Anyways, I've been making comics on the internet for 13 years. You, you don't need to tell me that haters gonna hate. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but you know, just a vote of confidence, right? Like, I bet you there are more people out there who appreciate how clever your comics are as opposed to people who don't, you know, don't think they're funny or whatever. And when it comes to web comics, I also think it's a niche. Yeah. yeah. I am certain that there are more people out there who don't like my comics than do. I don't agree with you. Here's why. I'm not saying there's a lot of people who read the Daneman or your comics, but the people who do definitely appreciate it more than the people who maybe read it and don't. So, for example... I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The I, people I, who read my comics appreciate it more than the people who don't read my comics. I agree. But here's, here, here's like my breakdown of that. You're not going to hit everybody. Like, web comics, in my opinion, is sort of like a niche. You're always in a niche market because I might like web comics, but I'm not going to read every single one. I'm going to read the ones that, like, I actually enjoy. Even if I'm a huge web comic enthusiast. I probably have a select few that are my go-to. Just like when I listen to podcasts, I have a select few that are my go-to. I enjoy podcasts. I'm making a podcast. But that doesn't mean I listen to every single podcast in the world, right? There's always that niche. So for you, in my opinion, you have your niche market. And those are the people that are definitely going to come to you and will definitely appreciate. And you're not going to hit that market who just doesn't think you're clever for whatever like their humor is different or their their form of comedy or comics maybe just doesn't appeal to the way that you do yours. That's not to say that it's not interesting. That's not to say that it's not different and that it's not creative, right? That's just to say that that person doesn't appreciate it and don't, you know, don't worry about that. Like, I, in my opinion, it's just always progressed to be better. The only negative comments I look at are the ones that give me feedback, like, good feedback that I say, you know what, that guy's right. I need to take that into consideration. But what you're saying is don't read the negative comments. I'm saying don't think about the negative comments unless they provide you with good um, constructive criticism. <laughs> uh, you know that I was talking about a decade ago, right? It's true, but that that's still, you're telling me there's no one that hates on your shit now? Like if you were to post something... 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that every single person, no, um, uh, about a, a little while ago, I made a, a joke that was like really pointedly pro affordable healthcare and man, people come out of the woodwork to get mad at you. If you, if you are pro healthcare, you got political son. Yeah. And That's people like, mistake. people love to tell artists to shut up. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, I bet. Um, one thing that I will note that actually we already, I think we talked about this during that launch event. Uh, I got confused on some of your comments because I wasn't sure if I had to go left to right across both pages. Yeah, yeah, that, that was an unfortunate design choice I made that time. I have remedied that since in the second book. So yeah, now, you now that, so. if there's six panels, it's just a comic and then the quote. So yeah. I had, it was, it was like, uh, you know, a design quandary in the, the, mm -hmm. the, the design process. But that was two years ago. Yeah. Actually, it was exactly. three years ago. It was like, uh, I, when I was designing the book, I, it was hard to make that decision. And I made the wrong decision. But I did pull some cartoonists and say, which one of these makes more sense? And I went with what I think ultimately was not the best decision. Yeah, but you learned from the mistake is my point. Or what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you, you did get feedback. This yeah. is what Mayar is talking about. Yes. Uh, it is just not a good idea to put one comic on two pages with a centerfold in the middle. Yes, and what we're specifically talking about is you don't know if you're going left to right or top to bottom. Yeah, actually, yeah. that is what the question was about with the cartoonist. I said, <laughs> if you have to split one comic, if you had to, would you go top to bottom? Like, would you do one, two, three, four, five, six? Or would you do one, two, three, four, five, six? That was the question. And the answer is don't do that at all. Just put all six on one page and then put the title alone on the second page. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call there. Um, did you, ch you change that for book two? Which is why in book two, if there's a six panel comic, comic on one page, quote on the second. I was a little bit wiser design-wise. That was one thing I fixed. But you always learn, like... Yeah, you always make mistakes. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure if you do a third book, it's going to be even better than the second book. Oh, you mean this, that, this you third know? book? Exactly. This book, which is exactly. so completely beautiful? 100%. And people should know that um, at the end of this podcast, or not at the end of this podcast, but at the beginning of the next podcast, I will be giving away all three of David's books and he might actually sign them and we will send them to you. All you have to do is comment the Daneman on any of the channels where this is posted. So whether it be the Facebook, whether it be the YouTube channel, and I'm going to pick somebody who is also a subscriber and then I'll pick someone at the next uh, podcast. So you went from this book to the next book. Now, are you just going to be producing books from here on out, or are you gonna? I may What's do. Gonna happen, I may do a third and final Daneman book. I really hope you do. Well, but it won't have anything new in it. Uh, but if I do, it'll be a hundred comics. It'll be like the the complete Daneman, uh, which it will be a lie because it'll be missing like two hundred and seventy strips. <laughs> uh, but. <clears throat> Uh, so I'll probably do a third Daneman in 2019, and then I currently am working on my next anthology, uh, which is uh, 25 different artists from the first book, 
Uh, actually, 23 different. The cover artist and I are returning. Okay, so why are you not making new ones, though? You said you're going to do a third book that's sort of a complete... Like, why are you letting go of it? Uh, the Danemen are very time-consuming to make. Uh, they okay. take far too long, and far too few people read them. So there's a cost-benefit thing going on. Um, okay. Whereas I might make them in the future, but only for fun. Like, I... It, I I have to get paid so much money to do it, and nobody wants to pay that. Yeah. So, compared to the average... Because um, I, wa- I kind of want people to get a grasp of how long your comics take to make compared to the average drawn-out cartoon. So, let's say you're comparing with the average cartoon artist. I don't know if you could do this off the top of your head, but... How much longer are you talking as far as creation of the actual comic strip compared to if you were just drawing it like a normal guy and not doing your crazy photo sort of shot scene? Uh, My comics take probably two or four times as long. Um, The average cartoonist, that's an impossible thing to try to quantify, but I have talked to like 75 different cartoonists on the phone, so I have an idea. So a strip probably takes two hours... Uh, minimum. Some t- some people it just takes an hour, uh, but and then some very detailed people would do like maybe ten hours. My comics always take a minimum of ten hours. Sometimes they would be like twenty. So that's why I was okay. doing two a week. Was it was a full time job. Um, and you know, there's like a whole bunch of weird steps in my comic that no other cartoonist ever has to do, like photography. Like, <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> I will make the Danemen again if a large corporation wants to put me on salary. But beyond that, uh, they are on hold. I might do, like, uh, we got this Christmas break coming up. I'm going to do something special on Instagram. And I was thinking of maybe doing a new Daneman for 2019 because I'm really excited about this coming year. Mm-hmm. I really hope you continue, dude. I really, like, I enjoy it. And I think a lot of the reason why maybe, like, so few people... Um, read it or whatever have you um, might just be simply because they don't know about it right like let's let's be honest here web comics although they're cool it's not exactly like the top thing on the general public's mind to go look into you know so did you maybe fall out of love with it is it getting boring or is it yeah it's just the time I haven't made a Dane in a year and it's been great um But, uh, yeah, I guess there was a period of time where I fell out of love with it because I I was working for this employer, which uh, I was doing three-month contracts for two and a half years. So every six weeks, I felt like I was losing my job. That that love left, and then it came back, and yada, yada. Like, there's a lot going on here. Like, uh, you seem to think that I don't have, like, a following or something. I have a decent following. I don't think that at all. I know you have a following, but you say so few people. You literally said so few people. Webcomics web uh, is, um, the high watermark is millions. Like, people are getting one million, two million audience. That's that's the, the highest audiences. Uh, I think at the, the moment I have about 22,000 people. Um, yeah, which, which is, is not, good, dude. Nothing to sneeze at. Um, but, you know, like, if you want to get better, you got to compare yourself to the people who are doing the best, right? Mm -hmm. I still think 20,000 plus is pretty dang good. 
to have that much followers. It, it just happened in the last month because of Instagram's algorithms are wacky. Okay, so let's say you toss Daneman aside. And you've got this book now, The Launch Party. So what would happen next? You're just going to go straight into production from here on out and help others do their web comics, Or do you have concepts for other web comic ideas that you'd want to do? I am working on another anthology at the moment. Um, and I'm going to put together a pitch for the two companies which pay web comic artists that I know of. Um, and the idea for that is sort of a hybrid comics textbook uh, for English as a second language, which is something I am passionate about. Uh, I speak a lot of languages. Uh, I've taught English a lot. Um, and so I think I could make a really interesting sort of hybrid of social media and textbook. Um, and that it might be possible to like, you know, uh, most of my readers, it seems like English is their second language. So is that so? It seems like most people on the internet don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of makes sense though, because your comics don't have words. Yep, no, right. I see potential. So that that totally makes sense. Um, where would you say you've generated your largest audience? Like, what country would you be able to... Able to like, in a single day or over time? Uh, see, that's a good question. Um, I'd say over time. Like, at, at this point now, if you could look at... No, I know the answer to this. Uh, okay. Right now it's Instagram, uh, and that is historically the largest audience that I know that on Webtoon I may have had like 30,000 followers, uh, but it's, uh, I never knew because they kept the metrics there. They're a private company and they don't want to tell their artists how many people are reading it because they could probably use that to negotiate. Uh, but 30,000 there was a very small audience. Their comics regularly have million uh, people reading them. Um, oh, wow. One time, actually a couple different times, I had like a really big hit on Reddit, and so probably in a single day... I had about a million eyeballs, sorry, two million eyeballs, one, <laughs> one million people see something in a day, um, but Instagram is where it's at at the moment, uh, the algorithm there is, the growth is continual, which is great, uh, Facebook, my, the amount of people I've had has been flat forever, and it, the only way to get an, a large audience there is for if, like, a large blog or something was to, or at least for me, to share my content. Um, I don't know that Facebook is a good place to try to grow an audience any longer. I don't really think it is, to be quite honest. Um, and Tumblr's done. Uh, Tumblr was big from like 2010 to 2012. <laughs> and kind of fell off the map. I mean, I have a Tumblr. I never use it. <laughs> never use it. I just never update that at all. I've... I don't even think about it, and yet I have an account with it. I, I don't know why. Whenever I do um, like a big project, like a Kickstarter or something, I, I, I show up to Tumblr and put one post, but nobody nobody I know is really... Tumblr is not meaningful, uh, unfortunately. If it were, it would be great, but uh, it was never meaningful for me. Twitter, no audience. Like I got 2,500 followers there. Uh, every time I do something about my comics, they leave, so I don't know what the hell they subscribe to me for. <laughs> Like, I, I also follow webcomics. I follow you. I follow Goat to Sell. And you follow two webcomics, so I don't think you should 
represent yourself as a person who follows webcomics if you follow two artists and both I'm, of them. I'm generalizing. I'm saying in general. In like, general, you don't follow webcomics. <laughs> no, no, no. I follow two that I appreciate, yours and Goat to Self, right? Like, I personally am not uh, a webcomic dude, right? Like, I don't... What is the name of the human being who makes Goat to Self? That's Cameron Spires. Do you know him? Cameron Spires. You got it. Okay. What? It's going to be in this video. Cameron, he follows me on Instagram, so if he watches this video... yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Then then he might see it. Who knows? I'll send him the link to this video anyway, just so, so he can. He's getting tons Check of shout-outs. He should pay you. <laughs> you both get shout-outs from me regularly, and I tell people about your comics, too. Good. Um, yeah, so see, David, for somebody who doesn't, who's not interested in, in webcomics, and this is why I say this, is that you're right. I have... No real interest in webcomics. I don't seek out webcomic uh, people, whatever, right? And the purpose of this podcast has nothing to do with webcomics. It has to do with interesting people. Yeah. It's all about you, your story, what you've done, why you do it, all that jazz. And it just happens to be that you do webcomics, right? But my point is that as somebody from the general public who's not in the webcomic scene and doesn't know all the millions or hundreds or thousands of webcomics out there, maybe even some that are quote-unquote better than yours or whatever it may be. Um, I look at yours and I see not just great potential, but actual entertainment. And that's not something I get from a lot of comics that I've seen. Thank you. So... The fact, yes, thank you. You're so sarcastic in your approach. It's not even funny. I don't know. I don't know if that was like a sort of like thank you, as in like I guess that's a compliment, or if it was a gen- genuine thank you. But I meant that as a compliment. So my point being is that your comic book does go like does reach outside of the web comic uh, scene. If that, if that makes, makes sense. sense. My comics are, are popular with people who don't read webcomics. I could have told that's, that a long time ago. <laughs> you're, you're changing my words here. I'm not trying to say <laughs> No, that's what I am saying. Within people I am comics. saying that. Yeah, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing in my opinion. Because you drew me to a webcomic. You see my point? Yes. Right? Whereas I wouldn't have been drawn to webcomics otherwise. Right? So you and Cameron provide me with some form of entertainment that other webcomics would otherwise not. Right? So I, I'm essentially trying to... What you're saying is, in order to follow someone's webcomic, you have to know them personally in real life. Which is fine. No, because I did not follow Cameron's webcomics right away. Okay. Right? And... I may have just come across yours because I met you, but that doesn't mean that I would have appreciated it and brought you on the podcast. You know what I mean? I do. I'm just giving you shit, man. I know, and I don't know why. If I didn't appreciate your shit, I wouldn't bring you on here to talk about it, right? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out of my way and say, yo, everybody who doesn't or does read webcomics that may not know about yours check out the Dane men, check out what you're doing because it's, 
truly, in my opinion, not just inspiring and creative and amazing, whether it be on a personal level for you or for others, but it's it's just literally, honestly, in my own opinion, and you might think I'm being far-fetched here, but it is a form of genius. It's not shit humor, right? It's smart funny. Same with Cameron. It's smart funny. Goat to self is smart funny. It's simple. His drawings are like stick figures, but it's smart humor, in my opinion, for a webcomic in four frames to be that quick and be able to provide me with that form of laughter. Yeah, there's a form of genius behind that. You at least have to admit that much. And I think in some ways, you're way too humble with yourself. Like, you don't give yourself enough credit for what you actually do. And I, I don't know why that is. You size. I, I follow a lot of... I love cartoonists. I think cartoonists yeah. are very, very special people. Because I think what they do professionally is they speak two languages simultaneously and that you understand both of them. And then they also speak on an emotional level. So um, I will say that cartoonists are very special people to me. And that is my answer to your <clears throat> my response to what you've just said. Thank you, by the way. Um, but if you want to read some good webcomics, I can point you, like I can show you a room full of geniuses anytime you want. Well, I actually was going to ask you what webcomics you read, because I know, you know, you had the webcomic podcast, right? And you, you obviously on that, I know you interview other, you know, cartoonists and people who have webcomics. So what webcomics stand out in your mind and what cartoonists have you interviewed that really stood out to you? Um, whether it have been through the interview on the podcast or just their actual style and their story. Because that, that's another thing that I want to pick your brain about. Obviously, you had a bunch of, like, 25 artists go into that book. You probably picked them selectively. It's not like they came to you, right? So are there a few webcomics out there, whether it be somebody who's already into webcomics or not into webcomics, that they should check out? Other than, as I said, the Daneman, which everybody should check out. There's one comic that I'm into these days. Uh, it's a 19-year-old it's a uh, Italian girl uh, named Katarina, and her strip is called Chite.jpg, so JPEG. Uh, Chite is C-H-E-I-T. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correct because it's just a word, but Chite.jpg uh, are some comics I found recently, which I think they're really, really nice. They're beautifully drawn. They're four panel. Um, the colors are really nice. The quality of drawing is really nice. And uh, so I've asked her to be in my next book, and she's going to be. Nice. Okay, so there is a next book that's going to be like Launch Party. Very much like it. Uh, I am building the team as we speak. And, uh, yep, March, March, we're going to run a Kickstarter. So get excited. <laughs> Definitely send me, when you do launch the Kickstarter, send me the link because I'll add it to the description of this video for anybody who sees this video uh, down the road. Um, and I'd be very interested to check out that uh, book. The one that you have now, um, is it going to be like part two of launch? You know what I mean? Launch party or is it going to be a completely different name, completely different book, completely different artist? Um, 
the uh, the first book, a lot of people ask me, both readers and the artists who are in it, they're like, so what's the theme? And I was like, the theme is, this is the first one. This is a proof of concept. So Launch Party is a reference to the fact that we're launching. This is, you know, the, the, part, the book was itself its own launch party. Second book, um, uh, haven't, like, I... I work with a, an illustrator for the cover art, and it is my belief that uh, artists do better work if you give them freedom. So what I do is I come up with ideas for what I think the cover could look like, and then I pitch them to her in bulk, and she selects her three favorites and goes off and makes a real quickie sketch. And then I look at the three sketches and I pick my favorite from her favorites, and that way we are collaborating in something which she is invested in, and... I will like because I have faith and trust in this artist to do an amazing job. So that's Min Christensen who did the cover to the first one. Nice. She is a, a great friend of mine. So what I'll tell you is that the, the next book is going to be uh, another double wide image for the back and front cover that will probably feature all of the artists in the book uh, because that worked out really, really well for me to make all of my advertising elements from it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. That's legit. So, on the cover for the second book, you said it's going to reflect kind of the similar to the, to the first book. So, is the style of the cover also going to be the same, or do you think it's going to be a completely different approach? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, we haven't gotten there yet. We, we had a phone call last Monday, a week ago, where we talked about the cover, but we were both kind of sleepy. So, we didn't actually <laughs> accomplish much. Um, but it's going to be different. It's not going to just be like people standing there, but it is going to have a bunch of people. So, uh, with, cause I, I don't know what it's going to be. That's all I can tell you is that it'll have a different title. Um, it'll have different artists and it will be a different image, but it will probably feature all of them in some fashion doing something or being somewhere. So will there be a launch book like every year from here on out? You know what I mean? Like this this new direction that you're taking. Well, is it, gonna... it depends on how often uh, I can make one without the uh, like the the demand going down. Like right now, um, I'm hitting like the second book is coming really quickly after the first book because of need uh, on my end. But um, I would think that if I tried to make one every six months, that there could be a little burnout. So what I would do is I might do a book every six months or every nine months, but launch party might be every other. Like, so I said I'm going to do that complete Daneman. That might be next October. And then um, I'm also interested in making a book of just one artist, which I haven't said this to anybody yet, but, like, if one webcomic artist wanted to have another person design their book and run the entire Kickstarter... Um, I would see if I were interested in doing it for them, ask them how much money they want, and then I'd look at their stuff, and if I thought I could make it so that I would make a profit after they got paid the amount that they wanted to, I would design, I would do this for them. I would run their entire Kickstarter for them. Uh -huh. um, but I don't know that anybody's interested in that, because basically I'm saying, I'll run your Kickstarter and you'll make less money. Well, that's that's how production works, though. You know, like... Artists, musicians, like even a creative director who has a graphic designer working for them, you know, like you're getting paid hourly, but they're getting paid the big bulk for the project because they're running the show. 
there's a lot of people who probably do web comics that don't know anything about production, whereas you've been there before, or they don't even have the time because they're too busy consumed doing the actual work. So when you pass off that sort of admin or business side of things, it actually works in value for them because it's one less thing they have to worry about. They could wipe their hands clean and know that somebody who's been there, done that, has experience, can now take ownership of it and they can relax and sit back knowing that this guy's got my back and I trust him enough where he's going to get the job done. Where I don't have the skills to or where, where I was going to try to, I can't. And maybe down the road, that very same artist does their own uh, production and produces their own crap. Yeah, someone, at least one or two people out there that are web comics will definitely take you up on that because... But I they, think there's enough they don't artists... Number one, I would say to any young artist, you should learn how to do this on your own. My best advice would be learn how to design your own book and learn how to run your own Kickstarter. However, if, like you said, if you didn't have the time or if you wanted somebody who's done it before, like that's my pitch. Is it's not a hard sell. I'm not going to go find somebody and say, let me do this. But if somebody is like, this would be great if just like a book just appeared and I got whatever. Because like they can say, like, I want five grand. In order for you to do this, I need five grand. And I could look and I could say, I think I can do this and make a profit for me. I think I can do this so it's worth my time. So let's do it. However, if I didn't think I could do it so it's worth my time, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't force anybody to do something they wouldn't want to do. Fair. <clears throat> have you thought about launching a webcomic website where you could have others provide you with the content and just post it? post it there and, and you do the hosting. How is that? How do you make money doing that? Well, you were mentioning how there's two main companies out there that do do that, right? And I'm sure they make a profit. I don't think you... I, you I'm know not, what? I don't. I'm not sure that they make a profit. One of them oh, has a very wealthy parent company and the other one goes and does angel investing, like crowd... Like, uh, what do you call it? Like they get... Crowdfunding. No, not crowdfunding. Sorry, like venture capitalists. They go get cash injections every couple of years. So I'm not sure that either of the companies that do pay artists know how to make a profit. Uh, I now know how to make a profit, which is number one, having a large corporation pay me to make comics, or number two, to make these books. And the books are within my control. Um, the thing about, you can't make a company want to employ you. What about things like, uh, I don't know, um, Discord or Patreon, is there anything there of value for... Well, Patreon, uh, I have a Patreon, um, and it's nice. Um, how to do it with, you, we were talking about other artists. I shouldn't be making money off of other people's comics uh, without their permission. So that's very complicated, what you're suggesting, to make a website that then makes money off of comics, but other people's content? Mm -hmm. I'm doing that right now with the books and I'm very comfortable with the way that works because I'm doing a huge amount of work and other people find it that I'm making a product which is worthwhile. The uh -huh. website is sort of a different thing. Um, so I don't think I'm likely to make a website. Um, it's possible, however, um, some interesting things have been discussed within the community of cartoonists when it comes to uh, organizing and to making collectives and or, yeah, like a collective. So... Uh, I'm keeping my ear to the ground to see if the cartoonists become more interested in that sort of collective action. But for the moment, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, so, 
I'm trying to figure out how to make the most money out of that. Fair. So everybody watching right now, you're going to want to buy Launch Party. You're definitely going to want to buy that shit. Because I could vouch that David knows his shit (laughs) and definitely has picked some quality web comics and cartoonists out there to put in that book. These are some of the the biggest names in web comics are in this book. What are some names? Give us some of those names in there. Give some shout outs. I mean, these are people in your book. Give them some shout outs. Put in alphabetical order because I don't want to play favorites. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the, the names are not in alphabetical order. The names are the, of the creator are uh, not in alphabetical order, but the strips are, so these won't appear in alphabetical order to you. All right, but in this book, we've got, um, I'll just read all 25. Nick, yeah, Nick Selleck, Kelly Angel, Laura Romagnoli, Lauren Fury, Ben Zeringer, Jonathan Borello, Dea Muniz, Ryan Pagello, uh, me, Dan Martin, Zach Stafford, Min Christensen, Joshua Barkman, Charlie Hicks, and Santiago Esparza, uh, Jake Thompson, Leigh Schaefer, Chris Grady, Mikiko Ponchek, James Squires, Justin Westover, John Cullen, Christian Nygaard, Andrew Syaston, and finally, Jonathan Kunz and Elizabeth Peach make a strip together. So that's all 25. I have a couple more questions for you before I let you go. Great. Obviously, you got into webcomics because you have a love and passion for webcomics or comics in general. Comic, comics in general. Webcomics didn't really exist back in 2005. Yeah, yeah. So, so comics in general. So my question for you is what comics inspired you, whether it be as a child or a little bit later in life, to even push to do comic strips? So you talked about how the inspiration from 300, Robert Rodriguez, and all that jazz came to be to sort of help you push the style of your comic but and the way that you create it. But what influences from the past caused you to even get into webcomics? Dare I say Calvin and Hobbes? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what, what got you into comics to the point where you really enjoy, like looked at this and said, I want to do this. I have always read comics my entire life, uh, read the newspaper, and yes, Calvin and Hobbes was about an inch or two above Garfield. There was a comic between Garfield and, and Calvin and Hobbes, which I do not remember because it wasn't good, uh, something like Apartment 3G or uh, Gasp, Gasoline Alley, um, but The Far Side was really a huge inspiration for me. Um, I just I still think that it's like one of the greatest strips ever made. Um, and when I got my first job professionally working as a cartoonist, I, I pulled out my Farside books again and I read all of them cover to cover. Um, but you know, like a lot of things are comics, which don't get called comics. So like in a way, Dr. Seuss is comics, uh, Shel Silverstein is comics in a way, you know, it's illustrations and words together. So I think I've been reading comics my whole life. Um, I did not become a web comic artist on purpose. It was just sort of a thing that happened. So, okay. um, yeah. It fell in your lap. Well, I fell in its lap, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Um, that's interesting, though, because The Far Side and Calvin and Hobbes obviously are two that also stood out in my mind. But I thought those were too generic. I thought maybe you'd throw something crazy at me that I didn't know of. So it's... Good to know that... Mouse, when I was in middle school, and Mouse is like a a masterpiece. I don't know that one. By Art Spiegelman. It won the the Pulitzer Prize. Oh, really? I'm going to look this up. See, these are things that I learned when I talked 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna look that up. Mouse is about Art Spiegelman. He was a, a alternative comics guy back in the '60s, um, and he did a book that was his father's memoirs of surviving Auschwitz, and it's just an amazing wow. book. It's two books actually. Uh, the first one is about like trying to not. It's it's about like how the the ghetto in in Germany formed. And then at some point in time, they get scooped up, and the rest of it takes place in, in uh, the concentration camps. But if you haven't read it, it's a great book. Okay, cool. Is it a downer? Is it comical? Because it sounds like, all like a of bit these of a downer. Things. Good art is all of these emotions. Nothing should be just funny, and nothing should be just sad or uplifting. I mean, it's about, he does survive the Holocaust, so I mean, that's pretty uplifting. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, because they never considered that for something that would be like web comic or or illustration based the fact that you say all those emotions should be present i never thought of that i just thought of humor when i think of cartoons or drawings so that's something that i'm gonna have to consider from here on out too back in that's college really when i was becoming that filmmaker i read really this is making comics by scott mcleod but it's understanding comics which is the which is a masterpiece this is a pretty good book too but Scott McCloud is an amazing uh, comics thinker, uh, and I read that at the time when I was like transitioning from film student to comics maker. So you do recommend that book for people who are looking to... Anybody who wants to make comics should read Understanding Comics. I'll put a link to that in, for the Amazon link for people to go buy that down below too. David, your time is up according to you, so I'm going to ask, is there... Anything that we haven't tackled that you want to mention that I haven't asked you that you were hoping to speak about? You didn't ask me how Leela's doing. How's Leela doing? <laughs> she got a really good job. That's, you know, I heard that on Facebook. I'm really happy about that because, you know, you were mentioning on that post that it had a lot of struggles to do it with her trying to find that job. So... Is she happy? She found a good... She seems pretty happy. It's only been a week or two, but uh, she seems pretty happy. That's awesome. I'm super happy for her. I'm super glad. How's Montreal treating you guys? Woof! Uh, this is a real city. I'll say that much. Yeah. Like, like uh, Vancouver's like Candyland compared to this place. Wait, what do you mean? Explain. Give me a bit of a breakdown about that. Fond memories of living in English Bay and going to Stanley Park. I was so fortunate to be self-employed at Davy and Denman for like two years that I miss it dearly, but what I don't miss Vancouver. I miss that time in my life. Okay, I see. I was going to ask, I'm like, what, you miss the city or what? But I guess not. Miss the, I mean, every time I see a picture of Vancouver, it stings a little bit because it's so pretty. Like, the, there's this photograph they post every year where like the mountains are frozen. It's like a really big shot where you can see the entire city, you know, so like you see the Lion's Gate all the way down to Science World, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that shot. Yeah. But it's, uh, and when I see that picture, I'm like, oh, I remember that, because I used to go to school at VCC, and we had a big windows on, like, the 13th floor that looked at those mountains. Uh -huh. But Montreal, it's a real city. It's 375 years old here. Uh, it snows a lot. Like, we get minus 40 winds sometime. Yeah, no thanks. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay without that. But but you love Montreal overall uh, more than living in Vancouver. You would say it's a. Do I love it more? 
I no, I'm very conflicted about these things. I've Montreal because I thought you really wanted to move to Montreal. Uh, no, I moved here to save money. Uh, okay, knowing nobody here and having to start from scratch. Uh, my second time in three years in a new country, I had to start from scratch. So, uh, Vancouver is my Canadian home. Mm-hmm. As it should be. But, but, should but be. Montreal is where I live. And for the yeah. same reason is my home. Okay, so another question based on that would you ever come back to Vancouver are you gonna stay are you guys staying in Montreal for a while if I sell a screenplay I will certainly consider moving back to Vancouver but no we can't afford to live there man I mean I would argue in a way you can't afford to live there (laughs) I definitely can't afford to live here um real quick before we sign off um if you're one of my first well actually if you subscribe to my channel when we hit 200 subscribers, I'm doing another giveaway. I do a giveaway for every 100 subscribers. So when we hit 200, you will have a chance to win your own Tentry hat. It's not this hat. This one's mine. You'll get to go to the website, pick your own, and I will buy it for you and ship it to you. Uh, so please subscribe to my channel because you will have a chance to win that. And you will be entered every time I have a contest for every 100 subscribers up until my first 1,000. So be part of that first 1,000. And I think, I haven't checked in a few days, but I think we're almost like we're 25 people away from 200. So you got 25 more people can get in on this. Uh, so there's that. David, do you have anything you want to say before I do? I do the last plug. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was fun to talk and it was good to reconnect with you, man. Definitely, dude. Thank you for being here. And once again... I'm going to give away all three, hold up all three of your books, because I only have one of them. I am going to buy one person all three of these books that David has created. He is going to do you a favor and sign them, I hope. Uh, maybe not with your, not name, with on your name on it. I don't but... like to sign this one. I might do it for you, but I don't like to sign this one because it's like not, it's my book, but I didn't make all the comics. But we'll talk I'll about that. Give it to your discretion. Even if you don't sign them, that's fine. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, so if you want a chance to win those, all you have to do is comment the Daneman down below in the comments. It can be on the YouTube channel. It could be on the Facebook, on the Twitter, wherever it's posted, post in that comment. And if you're also a subscriber and you comment, you'll get two votes or two tickets into the entry. And for the next podcast, I'll announce the winner just like I did last time. However... This is the last podcast I'm doing until after the holidays and the New Year's. So you will not see another No Fun City podcast for a few weeks. But uh, definitely keep an eye out and a listen out to see who wins that. And if nobody comments, because you never know, nobody might comment. um, I'm just going to give it away at random to one of the subscribers. So it's up to you guys what happens there. Uh, David... Thank you a million times for doing this. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope people out there got some value or insight into webcomics if they have no idea about webcomics or even about the Daneman. I hope that we drew some attention there because I think it's a brilliant thing. That's the end of the No Fun City podcast. Thanks for watching. Please hit subscribe, comment, like, share, all that jazz, and we will catch you next time.
Peace out. Today's episode of No Fence CD is brought to you by David Daneman and the Daneman Comics. Be sure to click the links below for more information and also hit subscribe for your chance to win a comic book prize pack.